That's fascinating. Fascinating. Ah, that's the fascinating part about it. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I find this always very fascinating because I'm just fascinated. What is the professional term for shitting on somebody? (laughs) Well, if that wasn't an intro... Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk, the quarantine series of Pussy Church, where I call some of my favorite creators to talk about their artistic process, sexuality, and play a few little games with them. I'm Lara, an erotica writer and the creator of Tales of Lara, which you can find at talesoflara.com and at Tales of Lara on Instagram. And today, I'm checking in with Chantelle Otten, an internationally acclaimed psychopsychologist and Australia's Love Honey ambassador. I was obviously super excited to talk to her, so fascinated, and we talked about common challenges people face in their sex lives and how to change them. Let's dive in. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk, the special quarantine edition of Pussy Church, where I talk to some of my favorite creators. And today I'm here with sexologist Chantel Otten. And I am so, so excited to have you on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. I'm a longtime follower, so I'm fangirly. Doesn't happen often. But I'm oh really my god, excited. you're so cute. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> preparing for this show. I was like, I haven't had a sexologist on ever. Mm. And I was like, oh my god, I have so many questions. She's going to be like, please stop. <laughs> no, let's do it. Drain my life. I'm inviting you to do that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm fascinated by what you study. But like in general, how did you even get started? Or like what inspired you to do this, to study sexology? Um, well, I think like, okay, I don't think I know I've always been like a very open person. And for me, um, talking about sex was like, fun. It was always fun. It was always so interesting to hear what other people had to say. And I was um, actually quite an introvert when I was younger. So I would just listen. And, you know, mm. I, I never really have opinions, because I think it's good to hear so many different sides of the story. Um But I guess like I went into psychology when I came out of high school and I didn't want to be a generalized psychologist. I'm like goal orientated. I'm also, I am also like, you know, I, I, I like talking about things that are a little bit taboo. And, um, Mm -hmm. my mom called me one day and was like, Hey, I just watched Esther Perel's Ted talk on infidelity. You should watch it and tell me what you think. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I watched it and I was like, holy like shit. Like no one talks like this. Like it was so taboo. Like even back then I was, I was 21 then. And I was like, Mm -hmm. why? I wonder who talks about like sex in, in Melbourne, Australia, like who here talks about it in such an open way. And so I went and met a whole heap of sex therapists and I realized like there was such a niche, like there was no sex there was no sex mm. being talked about in a hospital. Like it was also like a little bit, um, it wasn't like holistic, I guess the way it was approached here, it was very much kept in that taboo range. It was a lot of mm. like velour. It was a lot of leopard print. There was dildos everywhere. And I kind of thought <laughs> from a business perspective, I was like, you know what? Like I can help people, but I can also change like the, the culture that we have. And we need to make sure sex is talked about in hospitals and that it's fun and that it's not seen as weird or behind a curtain. And um, so I I went and did my science med degree and I also moved to Amsterdam, which is, I have a Dutch family. So I was over in Holland and they have a lot of great sexologists there and sex ed. And I really learned how to become the person I am today. And I loved it the way sex is being talked about always is like very interesting to me because like you said, like leopard print and dildos and like, I even find sex shops so fascinating because it used to be like such a taboo, weird place to go to, right? Like red lights and tinted windows. And now you go and it's like this pretty, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty pretty. place. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like marketing, right? Like I wear leopard print, there's dildos all over my house, but for my <laughs> patients, like maybe that's not like the environment. They're not ready for that. So you bring them into a place that looks like a health, 
like a health retreat and then they're happy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> totally. So how yeah. would you define sexologies for, for people mm. who don't know? Yeah. So as a sexologist, you can be in a few different streams. Um, so I am a psychosexologist. I work with the psychology behind sex, but I also have a background in scientific sexology. So studying sexuality and also mm -hmm. have a training in medicine. So I can incorporate the science, the medicine and the psychology all together. But you can be like a nurse sexologist you can be a doctor sexologist, you can be whatever you want, as long as you are focusing on the individual in front of you and helping them with whatever concern that they have around sex. And that might be a question, or it might be a condition, or it might mm. be a blockage or a trauma. My job is to unravel that and be a detective into their sex lives and help them reach their goals to have fun, pleasurable, pain-free sex. This is so fascinating to me because I read so much um, research and studies, you know, about like mm. our sexuality today, specifically about women, obviously. Um, mm. But I wonder, what do you think, because of the clients you have or just your mm. own opinion, what is like the biggest challenge for people right now in 2020, right? Like with their sexuality, mm. like what are we facing as like a society? <laughs> because I yes. really wonder about this, you know, with porn and like the way that's changed um, dating and our sex lives, but also the insecurities yeah. that people have. How do you see that world at the moment? Yeah, so I think that even in the past like two years, I've seen a big change or even 12 months. I think, you know, when I came back to Australia from Amsterdam, I was, 26 and I you know had platinum blonde hair and I was you know really trying Cute. to start up my <laughs> clinic I, I looked great um, but but doctors and like medical professionals were like hang on like what do you actually do like are you touching your patients are you having sex with your patients and I was like that's oh wow. a that yeah and I was like first of all that's not a problem if I was doing that but no I'm not I'm talking with them you know, I'm actually giving them a space to feel normalized and to feel free and safe to talk. And I think that that is the mm. point. We're getting to yeah. that space now. And, you know, I work with I work with companies like Bumble um, as their sexologist in Australia and Love Honey Australia, which is like a sex toy distributor because mm -hmm. companies now are becoming more socially aware and sex like sexually like positive as well. And I think that I can see that the game is changing, it's becoming better, but still the concerns that we have are around communication and normalization. Mm, yeah, Anyone who has a yeah. sexual problem doesn't feel normal. Ah, uh, that's the fascinating part about it, yeah. Because mm. I mean, I think that's the funny thing with it changing because I feel like that a lot, right? But then I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I live in a bubble because I talk to a lot of mm. people who are very open about sex, right? Professionally mm. speaking, but also in my private life, right? Because people mm. talk to me about sex a lot because they feel comfortable. But I I then wonder sometimes, I'm like, do I live in a bubble? And like, I'm, I think it's getting better, but really <laughs> this is just because I'm diving into a different space, right? Um, I, and I wonder with fetishes too, or fetishes, I guess, see, this is already like, yeah. because if you call something a fetish, don't you already separate it from like it being normal, quote unquote? Yeah, because kind of. Yeah. You can say kink. I think kink is like a yeah. word that like helps because it's a positive word. Um, and it doesn't marginalize if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So what do you think is like, is there some common themes that come up with your patients over and over again? Yeah, I think in general, um, I see, first of all, like the number one thing that you dispel is shame. And then in terms of conditions mm. that I see, it's like desire discrepancies. So when like, you don't feel like your desire is like, matching up to your partners or where you want yeah. to, it to be where it's dropped. Um, Female sexual pain is like a huge thing that I specialize in. So a condition called vulvodynia, which is pain on the vulva. So the skin between your okay. legs and your vaginal opening, um, yeah. burning, stinging. 
It mm, also goes okay. hand in hand usually with vaginismus, which sounds like Christmas of the vagina, but it's opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not fun. <laughs> not fun. It's Halloween. <laughs> it's like when you feel like burning, singing, like razor blade-like sensations inside your vagina when something's going in there, like a tampon yeah. or finger, penis, etc. Um those are super popular. Um, and then, you know, erectile <laughs> dysfunction, premature ejaculation, all of mm. all of the above, really. I have another question. There's clearly a lot of research out there, but a lot of things sexually speaking. But for example, the orgasm gap. In a straight couple, women have less orgasms during sex than men. Statistically. Yeah, speaking. like a third, like a third less. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um that basically just means to anyone listening that there's a lot of vulvar owners that are going without feeling climaxes, without feeling orgasmic, and there's a lot of penis owners that are able to get it off. And that's usually because those with a penis can come within like five minutes or so. And those with a vulva, a clitoris, a vagina, it takes like 25 minutes on average to even reach a point where they feel warmed up. And also, we are encouraged when we're younger, like men, we talk about them, joking about them, like wanking, mm -hmm. like getting off, like yeah. whatever. And we don't have those words for vaginas. We don't have those words yeah. for vulvas or clitoris. We don't even get taught where the clitoris is. So it's true. I it's think so that <laughs> so weird. And all these yeah, women so are going, hang on, I can't orgasm through penetration. Well, honey, that's because like the penis is nowhere near your clitoris. <laughs> yeah, like, of course. <laughs> it's so, so fascinating to me. Yeah, I always, yeah. but this is a question I have. So I understand, obviously, like for me, it's the same thing, right? It took me quite a bit. Um, in my, I've talked about this in the podcast a lot, but like when I was a teenager, I really liked sex, but like I couldn't come through penetration clearly. So I was just mm. like, this is really weird. And I didn't really, um, I didn't have an orgasm with a partner, um, I think until I was 20 or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um because nobody even like <laughs> knew, neither did I. I mean, I knew because I was masturbating, but I was like, I don't understand why this doesn't connect. But yeah. um, I wonder because when I masturbate, sometimes I can come within 30 seconds. Like it's very bizarre. Yeah. So I feel like my system, it's not less sensitive than a, like a man or a penis owner's system. Mm. But within sh sexual intercourse or something, it can take maybe longer. Is that isn't that mainly because the partner doesn't know as much or can't? Or I don't know because I wonder. I wonder like about if they're that. touching because, your clitoris. Exactly. Well, well, in general, maybe if you say it takes twenty five minutes, but when I mean it doesn't always take twenty five minutes with me and a partner. But I wonder, no, how is it that somebody, for example, could come right? within a minute by themselves um mm. and it takes like a partner um 25 minutes to make them come because you are your best sexual partner because you oh, know what you it's like true. <laughs> and, it's absolutely true. and to be honest like when your partner is touching you yeah of course like it can take a few minutes sometimes if you've really got it down pat if you and your partner are in sync if they know what yeah. to do it also like depends on your like frame of mind how are you feeling about them touching you how are you feeling in general are you mm -hmm. relaxed like when we masturbate like usually there's like a purpose are we doing it with with like are we giving ourselves a full erotic experience where we're warming ourselves yeah. up and like being sensual or are we just going you know what i'm feeling pretty stressed like i just need to bang one out so i like calm down calm the farm a totally. little bit or i just want an orgasm it really depends on what your goal is and what yeah, the yeah. context of your erotic scenario is. Yeah, I mean, it's not really about timing, right? Like sometimes when I come no. really quickly, I'm like, oh, that was kind of, all right, well, I guess it's over. I mean, I normally, like you said, this is very funny. Um, I normally spend way more time with myself, but it can go, I can, like I'm a really great partner to myself. It can, <laughs> it can, <laughs> if I want it to happen fast, most of the time it can, right? Clearly, yeah. I'm using it. I'm using toys. So that's probably mm -hmm. another thing, too. Do you think, like, inherently, the male system is easier to arouse and to 
ejaculate than the female system? I think that it's getting a lot more stimulation. So the penis is made up of erectile tissue. The clitoris is also made up of erectile tissue. We are all designed the same way, except that when we're in the womb, the penis grows out and the clitoris grows a little bit, but the nerves of the clitoris have a higher uh, density. So there's way more nerves in the clitoris. It's just that they're not being stimulated enough Mm. during sexual activities and if we're talking about like just penetration like you need to be on the right angle for those nerves to be stimulated Mm -hmm. and it's never going to be direct stimulation unless you're having sex with a like a vibrator on your clit or you're touching your clit at the same time that's when you know ah it can come super quick there's a penis is getting stimulated that entire time so all the nerves at the head of the penis are getting all of the stimulation that the clitoris kind of deserves but isn't able to get (laughs) just from an like anatomical point of view okay that Mm. makes a lot of sense obviously in that in that scenario and then Mm. we are so focused on the penetration um, being yeah. taught that that is the most important thing. Um, I mean, I talk a lot about communication in the podcast and I wonder, because I think that's like a big issue with most people, right? That they either, they don't know what they want in general because they don't masturbate enough, but also that they don't really talk to each other a lot, um, mm-hmm. about what they need and what they like. And actually I was even thinking about this yesterday because I was talking to, um, a friend we're talking about um, this idea of like all the things that you were taught, you know, that you should like or what sex is about. And then you have that kind of sex and you're like, oh, it's fine, whatever. But you never really start exploring what you actually like, what your sexuality is actually like. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that you that maybe people will even call something like a kink or a fetish or anything else that you don't dare to look at really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder how you start, how, what kind of tips you would give people to like start exploring their sexuality and then how to communicate it to your partner. Mm. I think first of all, you need to give yourself permission to recognize that you mm-hmm. are an erotic person you know and that that sounds like really weird to say because no I love it (laughs) but I'm a weird (laughs) person maybe (laughs) well I think like obviously we're here talking because we're much more liberated we've spent a lot of time thinking about this topic we've prioritized it because we have given ourselves permission to do so and we have surrounded ourselves with sex positive people not everyone has that luxury and not everyone has the luxury of being able to explore things that are you know a little bit more controversial and that's because of the society we live in where we you know we live in a, a sexist society you know there's racism there's ableism there's you know, so many things going on that tell us to shrink into our box and to stay in our box. And, you know, I think that 2020 in particular has been an extremely important year to recognize um, my minority groups and groups that are being marginalized because of who they are. And I think that you and I, just as, you know, women, first and foremost, we've, we've had to work every single day to break Mm. free of the the kind of context of the box that we have been put in from a patriarchal society yeah but we are lucky i mean i i'm lucky i'm i'm a white woman so automatically like i have already a privilege now for a lot of people that don't have that um you know this is what we need to keep changing and this is what i'm determined to change and you're determined to change is these conversations that put people in their specific places and that is also the same when it comes to sex everyone deserves a healthy fun pleasurable sex life and everyone deserves a space to be able to say i want to prioritize myself i love myself I am my, you know, my, I'm the love of my life, basically. And Mm, I think that we haven't been taught that we're allowed to say that it's seen as selfish, whereas actually it's, it's something that's going to keep our cup filled and keep us 
being able to explore more and hopefully with society moving forward we can break down barriers but I mean, I find this so interesting because I feel like with masturbation for women, you know, in general, women who masturbate a lot, you know, when I tell them that there's a lot of women who do not, <laughs> they get mm. so surprised. They're like, what are you talking about? You mean like some girls don't yeah. masturbate? I'm like, actually, quite a lot of women don't masturbate and mm. therefore don't get to know themselves and therefore have a harder time communicating to the partner what they like. Right. Because obviously you don't know yourself that much. Like, what are you going to say? I find this, it's difficult because mm -hmm. I understand penis owners, let's say, or even female partners with women, like totally, mm -hmm. um, or any kind of partner with a woman who does not mm -hmm. masturbate or is not their own best lover. Right. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult if you get asked, what do you like? And then you sit there and you're like, I actually do not know. Right. Yeah. Um, and not even that being shameful, but just being like, oh, maybe you should spend some time with yourself. Maybe that is not because I even think that people think it's selfish to maybe masturbate because yeah. how how dare I have like have to help myself? The penis is supposed to give me everything I need mm. to come mm. like kind of as this concept of like, oh, it's better if I come with a guy instead mm. of like that orgasm is more valuable than the one that I can give myself. Yeah. Yeah. Concept. And, and like, um, sex toys, uh, sexual pleasure products are mm -hmm. so they're, they're threatening to penis owners. And that's like, not the case. Like it, it's like having a it's sex toy. <laughs> oh, it's like an extension of your sexual self. Right. Like yeah. the toys that I like, you know, talk about on my social media, my love, honey, like family, like all of them are just there to see you as a sexual being and an ex, you know a liberated empowered person and that's where the conversation is going but it's slow and it yeah. hasn't been there for it's a slow. few years like when you started no, when you yeah. and I started was around the same time a couple of years ago this conversation exactly. was like not there no and you know it was so niche I mean I think this is what is what I love about doing this podcast and talking to people like you, um, incredible people like you and other creators in that space. The funny thing is we're also disconnected, right? There's not really a big, I mean, the community is pretty Governing. big, but it's pretty disconnected. Yeah. No, because it's so taboo mm. still, right? That we're still mm. kind of, like I said earlier, or you even did, the, the thought is still like, oh, the sex shop. I even went to a sex shop in Berlin, right? Like, um, mm. I didn't like red light district vibes, you know, <laughs> you go yeah, inside and which you're like, we love, I feel, but I mean, totally <laughs> not everyone's love, brave right? enough to do it. <laughs> exactly. Because I don't care, right? I go in there and I buy whatever I want. And I even find, you know, I can have a conversation with the people that work there and I find it kind of funny. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not that person. Like that is going to make me feel like I'm a sex worker or whatever mm. it is, you know, that like connotation. No, they're sexual. Just that yeah! Sexual. Oh my god! Like, oh, <laughs> <How> dirty! <laughs> oh no! I'm sexual. Like no, sex workers I, are great, but they, you know, incredible. I think that that's like, it's just like people don't want to be seen as sexual because that's something to talk about. Like, especially well, I mean, if they're in conservative It's vulnerability. That's so true. That's a good way to I put mean, it. And for women, to be honest, it is a struggle a little bit because as soon as yeah. I say I'm sexual, a lot of men think that means I want to fuck them. Mm. Sexuality is not, you know, because I feel like the way our society is geared a lot and I know it's changing and there's incredible mm. men out there. So I'll never say that. But there mm. is this kind of like if I am embracing my sexuality, patriarchal society thinks I'm there to be taken mm. and it's not for them. And it's a huge difference. I feel like me embracing my own sexuality is not for a man. It has mm. very little to do with him in the beginning. It really does not because the problem is that I think most of the time with like performing for your partner, that's my mm. sexuality being in contact with you maybe. But if I perform for you, we're not connecting necessarily unless mm. it's a game you know, but mm. there, what's missing is me because I'm not just yeah. doing, I'm not doing it for a man. And I think mm. it's very difficult, the separ separation, because if you are 
I mean, even on social media, if you, I don't know what you get <laughs> in your DMs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But you, just because you were talking about sexuality, a lot of people think it's theirs to be taken. Mm, that's such a good way to put it. I think it's about like, um, I actually, you know, I, I think that for me, I demand a lot of respect um, on my social media. So when people ask me like, hey, can I get advice? And I also have a place for them to go if they want advice. You don't have that. Like totally. I have a clinic. So I'm like, hey, yes. if you want <laughs> advice, you can you. book a session. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can book a session. I'll be sending you referral fees very soon, I'm sure. But like, you know, I yeah, am please. like, you know what? I'll give you like, I'll give you one minute of my time, but you get so much free content from me because I want you to yeah. feel liberated by your sexuality. Um, totally. And yes, I do get a lot of DMs from people who are really desperate. They really, really want a hand. They really need a safe space to talk. So I feel yeah. blessed to get that, but I also get the odd dick pic, you know, and I yeah, get the I odd, mean, like, really, it's so <laughs> normal it. at this point that <laughs> I'm barely talking, you know, I'm like, oh, people ask me so many times, they're like, do you get a lot of shit on, in your DMs? And I'm like, you know, I mean, I do, but like, I don't even think about it very much. I mean, I think message request is like the holy grail. <laughs> but I love the ones that you situation. look at, like, I've been a few where I've been like, hey, like, um, thanks, but you need to go to a doctor because you definitely have oh like phimosis <laughs> or like syphilis. Like I've seen it on the, the picture. No, so I've had to send them. I've been this like, you crazy. need to see a doctor. <laughs> this is amazing. Don't send a dick pic to a doctor, people, <laughs> if you don't want the real opinion. I'm gonna give you a diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy um yeah but if I, I mean i find it interesting what would you say is like a good way to communicate to your partner what you like let's say you figured yeah. out you need a lot of pressure on your clit or maybe even the other mm. way around right like i had a partner who wanted his dick bitten while having a blowjob and like i think that's something that rarely happens or i haven't mm -hmm. experienced very much so i wouldn't try it out with like a guy without asking him first a um, but he a little nibble yeah so he communicated it with me right but like for a woman for example if she says she needs a lot of pressure on her clit and it needs to be circular motions or whatever how would you recommend she can communicate that with her partner without being scared mm. that he mm. i don't know i don't know what people are scared yeah. of much but get sensitive I, yeah yeah i I love a good compliment sandwich. I mean, it really depends on like how comfortable you are with your partner. So I always say like, mm -hmm. I always like to, people to use really affirming terms because of course, like sex is the hardest thing to talk about with our sexual partners, which is so weird, but you yeah. know, we can talk <laughs> exactly. about it with our yeah. friends, <laughs> but I think it's good to say like, Hey, like that feels really good. I would love if you could put more pressure on my clit or I'd love if you could rub a bit harder mm -hmm. or um, that feels great. Let me show you what I love and you can incorporate it in. Um, and then just say, that's great, you know, or, um, a little bit harder, be good or ease up a little bit, like be nice instead of saying like, you're not doing it right. Yeah, or no, totally. like that's wrong. Like imagine if someone said that to you, like you'd be like, totally oh, cool, I'm not having sex with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird. I mean, it'd be just like you kind of shutting them off, right? Like, what are you? Yeah. yeah, you've got to totally. be nice. So what about like if you have like a, a kink that you would like to try, mm. right? Mm. Like, um, I mean, for me, it's it's a bit, it's difficult sometimes when I get asked these questions because I have very open, I mean, I talk about sex with so many people as do you, right? So at this point, mm. I don't even think much about, you know, because I've already communicated it, like even in like a fun way while flirting or just talking about mm. sexuality in general. And so it's very easy for me to then be like, oh, you know what? I really love to try this, you know, because it's already such an open conversation. But I think most yeah. people really do not sit at dinner and talk about sexuality for three hours, right? So how do they, how do they um, ask for some, you know, something new to try that might be, a, that, that not like a blindfold, but what if they would want to try wax play or something that's really kinky? Mm. Like, I'm not really kinky, but maybe like, um, 
chastity belt, you know, something. Yeah. In that vein. <laughs> I think it's like a good conversation to have outside the bedroom, just so you're mm-hmm. not like caught in those moments. And just, you know, <laughs> just he like, hey, babe, um, you know, I always encourage people even to use like my content that I put out or like an article that they found or like a mm. photo or something and be like, Hey, like I yeah. saw this, um, like article or I saw this post and it talked about, you know, um, BDSM and I would love to give it a go. Is that something that you would be open to, to trying with me? And they can of course say like, yes, or they can say like, um, no, I'm not keen. It doesn't mean it's like no forever. You you can say to them, okay, like I get that you're not into it right now, but um, can we like something I still would love to try if you're open. So it's a no for now, but maybe we can revisit at some point. Um, yeah. And, you know, then just say, if you're open, I'd love to give you some more information. So you learn more about it and then maybe uh, you can see how you feel after you've actually got the information in front of you. Um, yeah. so I like to use it in that way. So it's a bit more like hands-on, like practical rather than them going like, Oh my God, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? BDSM? <laughs> like, are we going to get whipped? Like what is happening? So I think it's that hopefully actually <laughs> saying what you want. Yeah, I know. Hopefully like not kidding. You're so not kidding. <laughs> but I think it's about like being direct, like, yeah, this is what I want to try and don't feel ashamed. And if they shame you, then maybe you really need to think about how you need to change Mm -hmm. that conversation around sex in your relationship or if that person is the right person for you. I like the idea of like an article or something to be like, oh, Mm -hmm. look, but I just found, (laughs) even if it's maybe like... It's Maybe so much thought easier. about this for a long time, but this is the article that sparked it. So, because I talk so much about female sexuality, and I, I do, um, do talk to quite a lot of men. Also, to write into the podcast a lot, and I find, you know, myself talking a lot about, you know, it's really for women to embrace their own sexuality and to be sexually emancipated takes a lot of work and. Um, just because of our history, right, in this in this world at the moment and stuff. But I wonder for men, because I think even porn, porn has done a lot of not so good things for women too, obviously. But somehow for men, it has done a lot of not so great things either. Mm, yeah. Because I feel like they have a lot of, um, on the one hand, you know, a lot of women try to perform if they want to emulate porn or something, but men also are performing and they think they have to be maybe like super rough or super dirty or super, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and I wonder if you, if you have experiences or something that talk about that. So I think that it, it like is definitely a thing because, you know, we, we see men with these huge, like erect penises. We don't see like Mm -hmm. the normal rumble and fumble of like having sex, which is like, it's gritty, it's dirty. It's like, you know, people lose their erections, people get performance anxiety, they get nervous Mm -hmm. or like, it's awkward, like moving like spots around, (laughs) like moving positions. Um, and you know, we also like have to think about like pornography as a form of education because it's yeah. it's used by a lot of people to educate themselves, but it's not meant to be for education. It's meant not to be for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So I guess like a lot of guys are also masturbating to porn and they're not even noticing like how they're masturbating or like what they're even watching. They're just doing it. They're on autopilot. They skip the arousal period and they go straight to like just climax basically and they're gripping their penis harder and harder to get more stimulation um and uh that can also affect like the way that they feel it can cause erectile dysfunction because of course the hand does not feel like the vagina um Mm. and the vagina might not provide the amount of pleasure that they feel like they need because they're so used to a very hard grip that's interesting i never thought about this Mm. Yes. So that's something that we do a lot. It's around masturbation conditioning in um, in my clinic because wow. there's a lot of guys that have conditioned themselves in the wrong way. Yeah, because I've talked to a lot of guys, actually, funny enough, like friends, mainly friends, actually, that have told me about um, them, that they stopped watching porn for a bit 
a, like a longer period of time and stop masturbating because they felt like they weren't able to like really perform with a partner anymore. And I was like, this is such a fascinating thing because I haven't really thought that that was really a thing thing, you know? But now it kind of makes sense because I didn't understand why it would be that way, you know, unless you would think like maybe it doesn't look like you said, maybe in real life it doesn't look like in a porn where everything is perfect. But this is interesting mm. that you're conditioning your penis to be gripped hard. It's fascinating. Yeah. So what do yeah. they do then? They st they have to stop masturbating. <laughs> you know what? I usually get them to get like a penis sleeve, like a tenga or oh. something like that. And then they, because um, it's not as hard, it's like soft, like the inside of a vagina. And I get them to use so that. So funny, we just, we just talked about them uh, or that. That's like the egg, right? That looks like an egg. Yeah. And then you open yeah. it up. Yeah, we just talked about that on the podcast. I'd never seen it before. This is oh, fascinating. Oh, they've okay, got like cool. some big ones as well. They're great. So um, that's what I get them to use. Oh, cool. Okay, so use that instead of your hand in order to like not condition yourself um, to not yeah. be able to feel pleasure when you have intercourse? Well, no, no, to feel pleasure, but to feel um, like you don't have to grip so hard. So yeah. actually you're talking about the egg zero ones that are like bigger, kind of longer. Um, they're like a little tunnel that they can put their penis yes. in. And it's, yeah, you can't <laughs> grip it as tight. It's really good. Nice. Okay, cool. So that, that would help. Um, but also, do you recommend sometimes to stop watching porn? Yeah, I'm like, you know what, let's go on a little hiatus for a little bit. Mm. And also, I, I teach them how to be mindfully masturbating. So being very mindful of what they're actually doing to their body and how their body feels rather than just, you know, zoning out and going on autopilot. Because a lot yeah. of the time, their brains are not connected to their penis at that point. So my job is to work with them on connecting their mind to their body. That's fascinating because I feel like a lot of people have this problem um, in with their partner that they're not present with each other, mm -hmm. right? That we're just, we're having sex at each other instead of with mm -hmm. each other because you're mm -hmm. so concerned about your performance, maybe men and women, right? That you're mm -hmm. not even present with what with what's actually going on <laughs> like how is this person yeah. actually reacting to what i'm doing do they actually want this do i actually want this or am i just doing this because i think they want it without even communicating about it um yeah. and that would be interesting because i even thought this about porn i have this like weird i felt like you know um i read a lot about or i heard about about orgasm training right which is like a bdsm practice right where like somebody trains you to come by a sound or something mm -hmm. put it shortly um and i thought about that with my own masturbation because sometimes i literally i can if i don't spend a lot of time like building myself up or if i'm not already horny right and i put on some porn i can come just by the sound of it and i feel like i'm conditioned just by the sound mm -hmm. of like somebody moaning you know loudly and i'm already coming like i don't even need to see intercourse <laughs> like it's wow i just need to see <laughs> hear the sound and i feel like i condition myself nearly um mm. to have that part just make me come and yeah. I don't know, I don't think it's like a problem, but I find it very fascinating that we can actually, since I can still come otherwise, but what if you do condition yourself to a point where you always need that one thing in order to come? How can you get out of that again? Yeah, that's really about like actually taking a break from that one thing as well. Um, it really yeah. is about experimenting with something new and actually giving it time and focus, which is what you did with the original thing that made you come. Um, but yeah. we need to make sure that we expand on that and do that with other things for sure. That's fascinating. So for, I mean, I could talk to you forever, but I have one last question and that's how your sexuality plays into your work. How it plays into my practice. Well, I think that um, for me, I have had a very, I've spent a lot of time um, in my sexual <laughs> self, you know, and I'm really yeah. proud of that. I've enjoyed every moment and I've had a very vast and broad sex life. I've had different partners, um, you know, different orientations, different experiences with one person or a few people. And I, I also have been in 
long-term like monogamous relationships and then relationships that have been more open and sharing. And for me, yeah. it's really positive to bring that into my practice. But of course, I sit back with my patients and I learn from a non-judgmental point of view because they are the expert on their sexual self. I think in terms of what has been recently or or the most profound impact for me on like my practice from my own sexuality is not only just like placing myself and my sexuality in full importance, like high priority in my life, but also mm-hmm. really taking notice of the different types of partners that I've had. So um, mm-hmm. my partner now is currently, you know, he's the most amazing person. He's very talented in his life and he's also um, a disabled person. He's in a wheelchair. So for me, mm-hmm. I learn a lot about sexuality and disability from him um, and yeah. how erotic it is to be with someone who has a disability because they really tap into their mind a lot. Um, and then with my ex-partners, you know, um, I've been with uh, a few different, but like the predominant ones, like I've had one that um, had some difficulties and I've had one that was um, also like a sex expert. And so he um, oh, we could talk very openly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so we could cool. be very like open <laughs> and and learn a lot and be, um, you know, really think about different types of ways that other people interact with sex and how we were interacting with sex as oh sex my God. experts this is kind ourselves. Of my, this is kind of my I- ideal scenario, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Can- you could be like <laughs> guinea pigs to each other. It's like fantastic. We were. We were. It's <laughs> the best. Um, I love it. But I, yeah, it's good. And I think like, you know, now with my current partner, no, I can like ask whatever and he's so open and honest and we teach each other so much. So I think I've learned the most from my current. And then I've mm. been um, definitely like, oh God, you know, I've just learned over my entire life basically what you can do and also the fact that everything's fluid everything changes like things that I thought were real and that were the truth when I was getting started as a sexologist are just like so far from like what's what's (laughs) the truth like and you know that everything is about expanding and growing and that's what I also take from my clinic sessions as well that I'm not the expert on them they are the expert on themselves and I'm just here to facilitate that journey I love that. I mean, I think there is so much about like fluid sexuality too, like in some kind of a sense today I can like this. Right. And Mm. then tomorrow, like I can get whipped today and tomorrow I just want to cuddle and don't want to have any intercourse. Right. Like all these like variations, you don't have to Mm. pick one thing and stick to it Mm. for the rest of your life. You know, you, you can just, um, if you listen to yourself, be so, I mean, if you're just in tune, then it can be anything and it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be part of your identity because I feel like a lot of people get afraid that if they have a kink or something, or if there's something that they like, you know, that might not be like mainstream approved, let's say it like that, um, that, that will define them as a person. Yeah. Absolutely. And we would never, we would never think that about food, for example, right? You wouldn't be like, "Oh, I like sushi a lot." You'd be like, "Oh, now I'm defined as a sushi liker," you know? Like you, <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't be so strict with yourself, and maybe you only would have sushi once a year, and it's fine, and you don't even I think know. about that being like a weird. But you like it. But you, you like yeah, it. You like but it's it. not everything. Like exactly. <laughs> Okay, wait, actually one last question because I don't want to not ask it. Because you were talking about shame earlier. Yeah. Shame. So what's a good way to work with your shame regarding your own sexuality? Um, therapy. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, come to me. (laughs) Um, look, I think that we just I I think if, if people can consider that their shame is actually only shameful for themselves it's not actually Mm. that shameful to other people like my shame is something that can consume me but if I share it slowly and surely with other people that go you know what like that's okay and I support you and I love you and I let one person in at a time or multiple people in and I start sharing my shame then my shame gets smaller um the more that you can spread it out and share it and allow people to support you and encourage you and know that that shame 
is because of also like a secret that you're holding on to. If that mm-hmm. becomes not a secret anymore, then the shame diminishes quite a bit. So yeah. let people in, open up, be vulnerable. I love that. Well, actually, this is a good segue to how can people um, get in contact with you and like what kind of mm-hmm. things you offer? Because I mean, not everybody's going to be in Melbourne, but if you are, um, obviously they can come and see you. <laughs> we do you. online. <laughs> exactly. I just want to say, how does this work? Like can people contact? Yeah. I mean, you have a really big social media presence, obviously. So yeah. So um, Instagram is Chantel underscore Otten, O-T-T-E-N underscore sexologist. Um, and you can, yeah, come find me or like one of my team members. Um, wherever you are, we see people from all over the world on Zoom, on Skype. Um, and Amazing. that is at www.chantelchantelotten.com. And we will help you out and help you reach whatever goals Yay. that you need to reach. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, part of this podcast is to play a couple games together. I'm and nervous. the first <laughs> one, oh, <laughs> I'll be kind. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll be gentle. The first one that we're going to play is Truth or Dare. Yeah. It's basically the classic game that you probably played in high school or something. And when someone chooses truth, they must answer the question truthfully. When someone chooses dare, they're given a task to complete. But since we're on audio and far away from each other, the, the dares are limited to on air or social media okay. dares. Oh, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to be thinking like, a lot of truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. <laughs> truth or dare? Yeah. Truth or dare? Um, okay. I'll start with the truth. I feel like that's the best way to go for now. Cool. Let's do it. So you studied sex and I was wondering what was one thing that you learned that completely surprised you? Like you did not think that that was true at all. And then you learned it and you're like, oh my God, this is insane. It was, I was completely off. Oh, God. Um, That's a long time ago. Let me think. Let me think. Because now when you've talked about it for so long, like you forget like what surprised you at the start or not. Um, Yeah. I think that, what was it? I don't think, you know, this sounds really stupid. I didn't realize like how big like the clitoris was and that Mm -hmm. um, because it goes like seven centimeters inside our vaginas. And I just yeah. thought that every woman was like able to orgasm because, um, you know, maybe they caught on the right angle or whatever. And I didn't realize it's because the penis is actually rubbing against the clitoral nerves that are on either side of the vagina walls. And not everyone has that capability to get those nerves stimulated. So that's a pretty like PG answer, but like that's what surprised me it because is. I have one. I have one and I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know how my clitoris looked like until like, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago. I had no clue yeah. that it was wishbone shaped and it was underneath my lips and that you could come stimulating your lips, which actually, for example, for me is something very sensitive. Like, yeah. um, and I didn't really think about it, you know, I, it made no sense. I think we also weren't taught in school at all. Like, I don't remember <laughs> at all any kind of sex ed that would ever mention the clitoris at all. Yeah, um, no, it didn't. It actually, in like medical degrees in Australia, like they don't show the clitoris in the charts. Um, like, they, no. I think they're starting, but like we have a one hour lecture on sexual medicine in the medical degrees. Yeah. This is insane. Well, you know, I mean, even the, that 3D model that was made of the clitoris, that's not even that long ago, right? No, no. I feel like it's like it's 15 like, years ago or something. If you 1994. Mean- yeah. That's oh, okay. Sorry. Really 25. <laughs> 25 or maybe it was, maybe it was 2004. Maybe I've got my like decades mixed up. I don't know. I've like got a mind blank. 
I think you're mm. right. I think it might be mid nineties, but that's insane, right? That's I mean, twenty five years ago, the first time that somebody was like, "Oh, look how big this is." <laughs> I know. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, why does this? How is this possible that we had no clue? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's fascinating. Hey, so I, what's I thought, your? What are you going to pick, though? If I bounce it oh, back yeah. to you, what are we going to go with? To truth me. or dare? Uh, I don't know. Let's do a truth. I <laughs> do some yeah, dicks. just because it's so hard to do dare, because I don't know where you are and what you're doing and like who you're with. So I can't ask you to like throw a <laughs> dildo like, at the milkman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going like, to like get you to just like like to put a dildo in someone's bag and turn it on with like a Wi-Fi. Um, oh my god, is that funny? This I is. Did that I at mean, a party that's. Cr- you did. That's like, that's incredible. I will have to that's do this um, as well. I'll think about this, but I'll give myself some time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Also, who um, I could do this with who would not hate me to, for the rest of their lives. You have to do it at like a hen's party or something like that. Um, that okay. Funny. So what is the truth? What is the truth? Um, okay. So like you spoke about one of your ex-partners asking you to bite him on the dick before what is mm-hmm. like the kinkiest thing someone has ever asked you to do? It doesn't matter if you did it or not. Like, what is the kinkiest mm-hmm. thing? The kinkiest thing, I think, and I mentioned it before, kind of, was to play, like, to do puppy play um, mm-hmm. for him to be a dog. And him, like, he showed me his whole his whole like get up right like and yeah we were talking about this beforehand like he had a mask and <laughs> a leash and a collar and paws mm-hmm. and um we were talking about like how do you how what does this play do you you know and with my or yeah. even with yours you, i was so curious and i was like well i never thought about this being like a turn on and it's not necessarily but i was just so curious about what that it would even mean like what's Look the part like. of it that is interesting yeah, yeah. And like how yeah. do you as like the owner of the dog what is it you have to do are you, you treating them like, like a real of a dog bowl? yeah <laughs> yeah you can yeah there is like feeding like off the ground obviously is a thing teaching them tricks is a thing <laughs> um, wow the way you talk to them is supposedly you're supposed to talk to them like a dog so it's, you know, commands, um, you can give them treats, um, then you can yeah. ask them for sexual favors. This, this is where, obviously, this becomes a little bit more sexually kinky. And I thought it was fascinating. I mean, I think for me, the crossing over to the sexual favors, because I love dogs and I have dogs, and I was just like, it's a little... <laughs> I just yeah. have a little Too bit of like a moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if you should lick me if you're in a dog <laughs> costume. Like it might make me like a little uncomfortable, <laughs> even though I'm pretty open. <laughs> but that was just like, I was like, I don't know if this is too much for me. But wow. yeah, I mean, in general, I was really fascinated because it was like a real thing. And um, for mm. him, I think it was a bit difficult in the sense that he was like, you know, it's very difficult to share that with partners. Um, because mm. a lot of people kind of shame you for it. And then as soon as I am yeah. a dog, it gets really complicated in the relationship. So there was like, you know, reasons yeah. for them not to do it actually. Um, yeah, of course. Because I think he was a little bit of afraid, afraid to like combine like some loving relationship with like a that kink that he kind of kept for himself more, right? He was like, oh, I do yeah. that with like a dom, but I don't know if I can do this with a partner. So I'm kind of conflicted. Um, yeah, of course. That makes sense. That happens a lot, right? Like that, that um, uh, people go, you know what, like there's a difference between love and desire. And of course there is. And if you can incorporate yeah. it together, then that's wonderful. But sometimes it's not everyone's cup of tea. So if they have permission totally. to do that outside of the relationship, then that's wonderful that they have space to express themselves. I think that's totally fine. I mean, I think and mm. not a lot of people probably think that. <laughs> but for mm, me, I know. We're would have a pro- yeah, I know. Because like, I think I've talked to girlfriends before and they're like, I don't want my boyfriend to go to a dom. But I was like, you know what? If there's something you don't want to do, like you do not feel comfortable doing within your relationship, but your partner really craves, I'd be mm. fine. You know, I mean, everyone has like different um levels of comfortability obviously yeah Mm -hmm. totally but i think for example with like um 
how would you even say this? But with like, what is the professional term for shitting on somebody? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I always just say like defecating. I that should know like, this, but I don't get that. It's um, I'm like I don't I'm like, get to see it like, that often, so I don't focus on it. But yeah, just defecating. Oh, defecating on a person i literally i was like what the fuck is that called it's not a golden shower um i for example that's because everyone has like some kind of a line or limit right and like that's the limit for me for example like that's something i wouldn't want to play so if that's something that a partner really would want to experience i would totally be open for them to go to a dom Mm. Mm, yeah wonderful love that there we go. That's a pretty easy <laughs> truth. <laughs> Who play? <laughs> I, I know. With like with truth, it's like always the funny thing, right? Like with both of us, I'm sure to a certain degree. Actually, you know what? Um, I will ask you because you did mention it in your answer. So I'll ask a, mm. a little follow up. And I'm like, what's something recent that you were surprised to learn? And it doesn't have to be within your own sexuality, but about sexuality. Mm. Um, is there anything yeah (laughs) that is still surprising yeah Yeah, look I think like for me what is um surprising it's not so much like within sexuality it's like the ignorance to sexuality that still surprises me every day Mm. because as you said before it's like we are talking about sex all the time and so we forget (laughs) that other people don't and so for me it's like when people come up, for example, I have seeing a lot of patients with disability at the moment, and like one of their number one things they get asked is like, like, does your dick even work? Or like, can you even have sex because you're mm. disabled? That surprises me that people just have no clue of people's capabilities. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what surprises me these days. Ignorance, it's true, actually, maybe. because... Yeah, because you're kind of like when you learn a lot about it or you know a lot about it, it's kind of funny, like the basics that people don't mm. know, right? For example, about the clitoris, that would be like a good example that a lot of dudes, I mean, I told so many of my guy friends that were like, oh my God, this is crazy, you know? And I'm like, you're 30. Mm. Like, I feel like you should know that you can, you need to like do a little bit more work, maybe. Um, but yeah, it is fascinating because we're so oversexed and so underfucked, right? Often. Oh, so true. Uh, the last game we're going to play today is this or that, or would you rather? And it's basically a lightning round and you um, are choosing between two things and it's not for the rest of your life. It's just what you're feeling today and what sounds more compelling, I guess. My vibe. Yeah, cool. What's All your right. vibe? Okay, you ready? <laughs> yeah. Great. Pegging or golden shower? Pegging. Hmm. Masturbate in public <laughs> while driving, I would say. Or watch porn with a partner. Ooh. Um, probably masturbate in public while driving. That's something that <laughs> I, made I do anyway. <laughs> I do it anyway. <laughs> really? Do you masturbate while driving sometimes? Yeah. Like Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, if I'm in the car and I've like stopped, I'm like you know, I'm always rushing around like between different locations and, and stuff. If I'm like really stressed, I'm just like, whack, whack. I mean, I have a tiny little womanizer in my bag. Just, like, I love this. Around. Yeah, I'm all about <laughs> like getting it on on the go for sure. Oh my God, I love this. I will do this. I will be I'm inspired now. Um, <laughs> would you rather have a threesome or a sex, sex in public? Um, I like I would like sex in public, I think. Because I like, I think group sex is better than threesomes. I'm, nice. I'm all about having more than one more person. Yeah, because I think this, the combination of three can be actually kind of complicated. It's complex. It's like, can be emotional depending on who you're with. I think it's always good to be in like group scenario. And then it's not as like focused on that one extra person. It's focused on you yeah. as a whole group. What's like a group, like what uh, amount of people is a group for you? Four and up or more? Um, I think, yeah. Oh, no, I, don't, I think like, yeah, four and up is good for sure. Just like another yeah. couple, like, or another, like, yeah, another two people is, is good. I'm all about sex clubs. I think that they're like a great place the to go because then you can pick and choose. 
Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, would you rather Japanese bondage or wax play? Wax play. Mm. Be mm. a daddy or be a little slave. Oh, um, <laughs> today, today I'm being a daddy for sure. That's my nice. vibe. I, <laughs> I mean, it's going oh. with the theme of wax play and pegging. So let's just keep it's, going that way. It's true. It's true because the wax play is yeah. on the guy. You never know, right? Like sometimes I ask these questions and people yeah. just assume it's one thing. Yeah. Um, tantric massage or sex party? Well. <laughs> oh, sex party. <laughs> If that wasn't clear at this point. <laughs> yeah, now I think you're knowing it too well. <laughs> oh, and I love it. Considering pet play, because I just talked about this, would you rather be a dog or be the owner of a dog? Um, I actually would be the dog. I really would like <gasps> to be in that position. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what it's like. Yeah. Okay, cool. Would you rather go down on your partner while they're on an important phone call or mm -hmm. eat sushi of your partner's body? Both are great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I always, I do the first one anyway. So I just go down on my partner while he's on a call. That's, that's what I would do. That's I love <laughs> Part that. Part of my daily that's practice, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like every day. <laughs> oh, lucky man. He's worshipped. <laughs> this one's fantastic as long as he can like keep it together while he's on the call that's the whole that's the whole thing <laughs> yeah um okay nipple clamps or prostate massage um i love both i think um prostate Said I've got acrylic nails on right now, but you know what? That's the worst. Just, yeah. So it might like like in my mind, I want prostate. Functionally, it'd probably have to be nipple play. <laughs> I, I hate that with the acrylic nails. It's really like yeah. fucks me up. Every time I do them, I'm like, oh, and now like this part of my sexuality like falls away. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather um masturbate with a cucumber considering diy Ooh. um toys or an electric toothbrush electric toothbrush because i love my clit <laughs> yeah i know i know seriously i don't know exactly what to do with a cucumber but people do it um <laughs> would you rather try orgasm control or swinging um swinging i think because i like to i mean i'm all about like orgasm control is like wonderful but i think i like multiple as well so um maybe yeah. i would like to try different experiences with different people and then maybe i could still do it at the same time god i could i do both <laughs> Like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> always, there's always this one point at this game where somebody's like, Can You're I like, try both? Can I have them both? <laughs> I'm like, Bring Yes, you can. <laughs> um, and the, for the last question, um, would you rather watch somebody having sex or have mm. somebody watch you having sex? Oh, both are great. Um, again, both. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think um, I've done both. I think I prefer people watching me have sex because like then I feel like I'm in more control. Whereas if I'm watching them, I think that it's still like it, I have to really address like um, my things that I've grown up with, like where you're told like mm. that, that like internal kind of misogyny has to be dispelled mm -hmm. during that process because for me I have to put it aside because I've been always been told you know be proper like be a lady whatever so when you're mm -hmm. watching other people have sex in real life you actually have to address like discomfort in yourself at the same time so I'd totally, rather just yeah. have sex like <laughs> get people to watch me because I'm really good at it and I and look have, great have, 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 <laughs> the, have them feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly you're welcome yeah, exactly like i'm just like making you feel very uncomfortable and i love it it's amazing i love it and i love the attention it's actually i totally understand i think it's actually interesting because that would be like that 
when you watch somebody else that you have these like two things, like maybe it turns you on and maybe this, all these other things come up too, where you're like, oh, mm. not that. Or maybe you even feel sometimes jealous. You're like, I would like to have yeah, sex right I now. I want to be and, like, in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's always what happens to me a little bit, like in sex clubs or something where I'm like, oh, look at them. <laughs> like, I want the same. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to be touched, invite me in. Exactly. It doesn't always happen like that, does it? <laughs> no, not always, but most of the time I go with a partner. So at least I can be like, okay, we now have to have sex too. Exactly. So exactly. you can at least like make up for it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I hope I can come back one day. I really had the best time. Oh, with you. such a pleasure. One, one more time for, um, for the listeners, how can they find you? Uh, yes. Yeah, so my Instagram is Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist, and it will be in the show notes as well. Um, and then www.chantelotten.com. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on Pillow Talk. And please check out our incredible guest, Chantel Otten, in the show notes. If you like today's show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It helps us keep the show going. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be amazing too. See you next Sunday.